Hello, and welcome back to the InterDrone podcast, your 30,000-foot view of the commercial drone industry. It is Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. My name is CJ Smith, joined today with Mike Peel, chairman of InterDrone, and our special guest, Esther Kovac. She is the acting secretary general at Gutma. She does a number of other things, actually. Also, she's a member of the Globe Advisory Board. I know we had Helena Samcio on the podcast a few months ago. Um, she's also the founder at Drone Talks, a new um, drone media content publication uh, platform. She does interviews with different thought leaders, and um, she's an Interdrone online speaker. Will be uh, she'll be joining us uh, in December. Interdrone online, fifteenth through seventeenth. So, um, Esther, thanks so much for for being here. Where are you dialing in from? Hey everyone, uh, thanks for the warm welcome. So I'm dialing in from uh, Switzerland. I'm based in Bern. <laughs> oh, nice. That that Bern is the one with all the red roofs, right? Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have some beautiful photos of the river there when I when I came to visit. Yes, totally. It's, it's a very, very friendly, small capital, I should say that. And, you know, the Alps are really close. I'm big fun of uh, hiking and taking out my drones <laughs> to the nature. <laughs> so, you know, that's a good place to be. <laughs> Probably a lot more uh, drone flying friendly places out there than in New York City, where Mike and I are, are dialing in <laughs> from. But um, well, Esther, thanks so much for being here. Um, for uh, maybe our audience who doesn't know a little bit about you or your background and even a little bit about GUTMA, um, the Global UTM Association, can you just give us a brief overview about um, maybe your career and how you landed in the drone space and then um, what uh, what work you do currently over at GUTMA? Sure, sure. Um, thanks for the question. So, <laughs> Um, Gutma is, is a global UTM association, as you as you mentioned. Um, it's a pretty new association um, established four or five years ago, but rapidly growing, which shows that there is a huge need um, for, for a neutral third party where you can discuss technological topics. We have 80 members now uh, globally, like Amazon, Google, Wing, Uber, also smaller companies, startups, drone manufacturers, regulators, ANSPs. So basically a bunch of people who has uh, UTM related uh, activities or interest. And what we do, we are an innovative hub where we're discussing and creating recommendations for regulators, standard bodies regarding um, the UTM technology. Um, regarding my background is that I graduated um, university as an engineer back in Hungary, Budapest, where I come from. And I spent my first decade of my career working with multinational companies, focusing on digitalization and technology. And um, following on that, I got into a program, uh, aviation-related program, and I contributed uh, to a lot of companies um, um, to grow drones implementation projects. And I mentored and advised their, uh, their leaders on, on how to implement drones programs into their operations. And basically they were multinational companies like telecom companies like Vodafone, Orange, Verizon and, and others. And um, from that, basically, naturally, I grew um, out myself as an expert in, in a UTM and drone fields. And, you know, I'm very, very honest. Um, you know how I got into these uh, industries that the people, because there were so many interesting people in the drones field and um, they were really, really, you know, passionate about drones and, and very innovative and open-minded. So I just, you know, stuck it into this crowd and I, I'm also still fascinated about this community and I will be, and I'm very, very proud to be a part of it. So that's about uh, Gutma, about, uh, my background so yeah i think i think that's all in nutshell <laughs> yeah uh, it, there's something infectious about uh the kind of optimism or or even just like the spirit of of drone people uh you know when cj first joined the team i told him about it and now he's probably hooked too um I was going to say that Mike, um, <clears throat> I think from my first day was talking about uh, kind of the community and, and the passion and the energy. And um, I, I don't want to say the characters because that 
it almost doesn't sound like these are serious uh, folks in the industry, but just all the great people in the industry, thought leaders and uh, personalities that, that are helping kind of progress this technology. Yeah, it's not, it's like nothing else I've been a part of in my professional life. And I've been adjacent to other technology spheres. And, you know, I remember working in mobile development and like people would be fighting over pixels being left or right. And, and meanwhile, like in the drone space, we're talking about literally the future of the sky and how air traffic control uh, will be managed. And when you think about like the impact even just connecting two people, because that's my job, right, as, as a showrunner, to connect two people to to help move that along, like, that feels like I'm actually a part of something. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's totally addicting, right? Totally. It, it's a joy. And, and I, I should say that, you know, end of the day, we are humans, right? We do what we enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So this what keeps us here, right? So... I think this is the human aspect of this whole industry, which is really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, we do this podcast every week and it feels like every week there's a lot to talk about. And um, uh, friendly reminder, we are coming to you guys live this morning. Um, it's been a really fun format for this podcast. We're able to answer questions live. If you're tuning in on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook, um, please ask your questions and uh, we, will, we will get those answered um, in real time. So don't be shy. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, we talk about a couple articles from the past week, and then we do a little bit of a deep dive with our guest, um, where we'll ask Esther some uh, some questions. <clears throat> so, uh, without further ado, let's jump into this first article. Um, this is talking about a survey done in Great Britain by a company called RS Components, and it shed light on the general's public opinions on drones. And um, it's kind of five key takeaways I want to want to bring up to the group here. Um, so, twenty percent or one in five of the survey respondents said that drones are an invasion of privacy and should not be allowed to fly in areas that they can peer into. 30% of Brits said that drones threatened other, other manned aircraft. 14% of Brits said that drone only said um, that drone deliveries would be a good idea. 8% of Brits said that they do plan on buying a drone this Christmas. Um, that's ages 16 to 24. And then finally, and this is what the um, title of the article was, um, only 19% of drone owners know where they are and aren't allowed to fly their drone. Um, you know, as we see the proliferation of consumer drones, I think this, um, you know, will continue to be kind of a hot button issue. Um, education, obviously, extremely important for our industry, um, educating the consumers where they can and can't fly. And I think just last week, Mike, we spoke about um, uh, federal charges filed in Los Angeles against a consumer pilot who crashed into a LAPD uh, helicopter. So, um, Esther, uh, what are some of your takeaways or what are some of your thoughts on on these numbers? And um, you know, what can we do to to kind of help with education and help uh, teach consumers where and where they can and can't fly and what they should and shouldn't be able to do? I think that's a complex topic. Um, on, on one side, I do understand, you know, people. <laughs> I have I have my family as well. They 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 um, they they think about this topic um, as, as a social acceptance, you know, the same. Um, I think on the other hand, what we can do as an industry, I, I would say more, uh, we need to prove um, the positive um, benefits of drones. I tell you an example in Switzerland where I'm based, uh, they, they replaced um, spraying, you know, and crop protection with drones instead of helicopters. And I'm going to tell you why I'm, why I'm bringing up this example, because um these helicopters are super noisy and they used to fly at six o'clock, you know, above uh, people's houses and summer homes. And they were really, really pissed. But it had to happen because of the spraying and the whole agriculture. And because they replaced these helicopters with drones, a lot of people turned to be a supporter of the drone technology because there is no noise. You know, they are small, quick, people not even realize they're flying there. So these people turned to be a voice of the drone industry, uh, even if they didn't want, because somehow they kind of cherish the fact this innovation is, is exist and, and being there. And I think we need to bring up more and more this kind of examples for social acceptance 
because as soon as they realize it's good for them, they're not going to worry that much about security or privacy because it's going to be just one of the technologies which do a normal operation. Like we're not really worried about, uh, I don't know, cars, uh, privacy anymore or security. Cars are capable to do bad things, but the social acceptance already happened and we're not really worried about that. And I think as an industry, you are a pretty new industry, that should be our responsibility to drive towards to that and um, make it quicker. And this is where we need a lot of positive examples with the communities involved and they're going to realize the, the positive impact and it's going to happen naturally, but we need to speed it up, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, on the other hand, I think what people need to understand, drones are not some military uh, you know, assets anymore. They are here to help and that's going to be a normal operation in every people life. And I think we are still not there yet. And I think this is where the right education is crucial. And I think we need to break out from this bubble what we are. Actually, I am or you are because we talk to drones people about drones to drones people. So (laughs) I think this is the key here when we kind of need to go wider. Um, about the topic. I'm not sure, Michael, what's your thought about that? Yeah, well, that's always kind of like a constant problem because it's especially if, when we're trying to reach, you know, we're, we do this podcast live. We try to reach out to as many people as possible. But sometimes it's only drone people that are interested in drones. So I think some of the work actually has to be done by the innovators themselves, right? So what you were talking about with the, the crop spraying in, in Switzerland, um, so that is a visible sign that it's improved somebody's life when you, this is why public safety was uh, a big thing for a long time as far as grabbing headlines, because nothing's more positive than literally saving a life, right? That, that would have been lost otherwise. And I also think that's why the, the kind of medical cases with zipline get attention, uh, and, and rightfully so because we're improving, uh, on people's lives. And honestly, we're just not doing enough of that. We need more cases like that that actually make the impact. And as much as we focus on the commercial sector and the commercial sector is going to bring the money that gets us, uh, you know, uh, to the next level, I think um, that's not as interesting a story as Shell improved its profits by 4% as far as getting public acceptance. Um, I I do want to ask you, though, about the kind of other statistic here uh, that was interesting, which is that. How, how many percent uh, how many points was it cj drone flyers don't even know where and where and when they can fly uh legally well 19 said they do so 81 <laughs> so the vast majority of people flying their drones are actually ignorant of where and when they can fly what do you think we can do to improve that Yes, I think uh, depends on what kind of drones. <laughs> that would be my question. You know, that's my first question. Because if the drone is not really harmful, um, you know, they are small DJI drones, hobby drones. I think it is not that big issue than if it's, you know, like more a commercial type of drone, you know, like an enterprise drone, which can cause really serious harm. I think it's it's a problem if they don't know where to fly still, but, you know, I would categorize, you know, it differently. I think um, it's, I can talk about Europe. I think Europe, you know, we don't have the regulation out yet. So this is why it's really challenging um, to to the drone companies, you know, to scale their operation, make profit of 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 uh, of anything, you know, even if you just want to take photos of of um, of a property and put it in a on a property agency website, you know, because there is no clear regulation, you don't know if you can do it or not, and you go with a okay, I do, and if it's illegal, someone's gonna come and tell me anyway, right? So <laughs> because because it's not there out yet, people go with a with um, with a way like I can do and and uh, and if the police come I pay in the penalty or I say sorry but the police don't know as well so end of the day this is this is the reality you know let's face let's face it so um, regarding
in Europe, you know, the regulation gonna come out. Um, it's a EU 2019 and 947 regulation. And maybe we can put the link here, but basically um, this is which, which gonna kind of, um, gonna kind of highlight the rules and the pr pr uh, pr procedures which needs to be applied for an operation um, of an aircraft without any crew so like a drones so that will be come out this december right it's supposed to come out in the summer but because of the covid they delayed it so i am hoping that uh, as soon as it comes out in Europe, that will change. And there will be a lot of educational portals and, um, and um, blue lights. Uh, authority is going to know better as well. And, you know, it's going to kind of involve. Um, I don't know what's the situation in, in, uh, in America. What, what, what do you think? Why, why? Is it the same number like in, in the UK, what you mentioned? Or do you, do you see a different... I would number, assume number. it's probably close, to be honest. Is it? Yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, I, it's just my guess, though. Um, what it, I, the the biggest kind of issue with uh, even a Part One Hundred Seven kind of certification is enforcement. Uh, you know, we have pretty good indicators that there's a large number of people who are flying illegally or just let their certification lapse and are still flying, right? Um, so. You know, I think the most important thing for actually keeping the skies safe is rudimentarily starting with a safety culture and informing people as much as possible about what's safe, uh, showing them the consequences of getting getting it wrong. Uh, you know, and, and sadly, there's going to be cases like what we saw with the, uh, you know, the LAPD, I think it was LAPD helicopter uh, last week or whatever time ago that was where that, that person now becomes the example going forward. Like, you don't want to be that guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as, as we progress, I think we'll, we'll learn uh, these things. But also, I think the technology itself will develop and, and inevitably make flying safer. I mean, a lot of the drone people talk about taking the human out of the loop as soon as possible. And I'm not necessarily a fan of that talk. Um, I, th I think the human will be in the loop longer than they think it'll be. They're being optimistic. But the truth is, even with the human in the loop, the more signals and safety systems we can give to the person to help them fly correctly, I think is important. And we're just going to see that develop because there's a need for it. Uh, that kind of rolls into a question from our interdrone uh, podcast regular question asker, uh, Scott Hoffman. From first eyes, do you see UTM being used for automated enforcement around the world? Yes, <laughs> the short answer. So, yes, so maybe you want to have a look on, on the UTM paper which we published. So, um, what we believe as, as a UTM community is that we need to we need to not just talk about digitalization but do it <laughs> for a harmonized system so you know this digitalization is a topic now like years you know um, but we're still not there um technologies are not communicating with each other and um, until technologies like UTM and ATM cannot communicate, how can we talk about, you know, moving out a human from the, from the, from the uh, system or, or how can we automate if these two technologies don't communicate? So I think harmonization is the key. So we, we, we engaged uh, with a lot of aviation stakeholders this, this year as Gutma, and we try to understand everything about the ATM, and we try to also kind of... Um, and um, kind of educate them about UTM. And we kind of working on something which is good for everyone and we can harmonize these two systems to communicate with each other. And I, I think that's the first step in, in, this, in this story um, to me. So this year we're focusing on that. 
But for that, we do believe government also has a huge responsibility to create programs where we can try out things, right? Where we can go and, and see what's working, what's not. We can have real examples, not just assumptions, you know, not like someone in a, in a government office says, I think that would happen, you know, if we do this and this. And, and I mean, I am really supporting real experiences and real, you know, um, real um, demos or, or, or something which where we can really try out in scale even the systems to make sure they are safe enough, to make sure we can automate and after the second stage can come. But I think I think harmonization is key. I think our, um, government has has the has the has to focus on on these programs now coming up because there is this huge need from the ecosystem. People want to fly drones and and you know we need to find the right framework for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. You mentioned um, <clears throat> testing and governments should have um, a little bit of a responsibility in helping facilitate those tests, those tests so we can get those flight hours. And um, can you talk about the testing landscape um, in Europe? And you know, are there different test sites broken out by different countries or is the European Union um, helping that lead that charge at all? Yes, yes, definitely. So um, in Europe, um, we have EASA, you know, the European Aviation Safety Agency, and they are involved with the European network of the youth space um, demonstration. So you may know that um, the, the European Commission works on this youth space um, implementation program where I am also one of the advisor and um, for that there is a there is a lot of you know discussion going on they understand um, the stakeholders need and recommendations and um, coming back to the EASA that, that that's also a good uh, you know um kind of way to understand how we can all work together on a safe way. So that's one. On the other hand, um, in FAA as well, you have this uh, UTM pilot program. I don't talk about it because I'm sure you're all aware. But for example, in Switzerland, there is this U-Space implementation program as well. Um, it's called SUSI. Um, maybe you can check it. Um, and they are testing different technologies. And last year, they had a demo on remote ID. They, for example, uh, compared the cellular, Bluetooth, and other uh, technologies, which is the best fit for remote ID solutions. So, yes, so I know um, a few of initiatives in Europe. And I think in the uh, UK, they have a program as well called Feature flights where they testing the UTM technologies so that there is a multiple programs um in the European Commission under the European Commission umbrella but also the the countries individually having programs so I think it's got it, it's getting there um what I can tell you personally the industry want it quicker <laughs> than, than it's happening now because, of course, you know, there are a lot of startups who invested a lot, <laughs> you know, in, in drone operations. And um, th there is a push here, I, I think, um, to, to kind of quick it up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. But they do a great work uh, in Europe. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's Everything you say leads to another question because it's so interesting. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I want to, I'll let you choose. So I have two questions. One is, so you, you mentioned the difference between ATM and UTM and trying to uh, get stakeholders to understand the difference. Do you feel like there's kind of, uh, you know, um, a gap in understanding that needs really needs to be resolved? Because one thing that I've kind of, I've seen the FAA progress on from where we were initially was they kind of originally didn't even believe that it could be this good and didn't even know the questions to actually ask the drone centric people um, to, to get the answers they needed to to actually move things forward. Uh, so that would be question one. Um, actually, let's just go with that because I, I don't want to. 
I don't want to hold us up. So do you, do you see kind of either a gap in knowledge or a gap in understanding that needs to be resolved? Or is it literally just systemic? Yes, I think, I, I tell you what, we all have gaps. <laughs> so I wouldn't point in any on any of the stakeholders. It's not just their fault. <laughs> yes, you know, this, this is the honest truth. Like, I do not understand a lot which should happen to have this harmonization. So I think we all should put the effort and, and, and promote and the safe, fair and secure deployment of UTM solutions to the context of integration uh, with, with airspace users. So we all should, and we all should understand each other. So I think the gap is everywhere. And, and I think we need a lot of initiatives to close this gap or at least bring together industries. I'll tell you an example. At Gutma, we have working groups now with a cellular community, and we're working on to understand how 5G can play a role in, in a drone operations, how um, cellular capabilities are, 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 able, um, are, are able to, to serve the needs of the aviation uh, industry. But we need to understand it. We need to talk a lot. We have 50 plus uh, telco experts and 50 plus UTM and aviation experts talking in a, in a weekly basis. And, and we're still just really in the beginning of the journey, right? And we need to do the same with um, with the uh, with the um, with the satellite guys. We need to do the same with with uh, with um, aviation specific uh, question. Uh, so we need to do the same uh, with with a lot of different industries involved and stakeholders. And and on the other hand, I think we have a few very 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 innovative regulators who are really there and go out and and discuss um, with pilots, with stakeholders from drone startups, with 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 the whole ecosystem, with UTM providers. So so there are a lot of really really good regulators out there who are really open-minded. So I think we just need to kind of get engaged with them as well and not just say as an industry okay regulate how is the best for us but we don't tell you what is the best for us right uh, so um i think both sides should should go for the extra step here and yeah yeah so i guess the the other question is about holding up innovation um do you sense that there's an, you said, you know, there seems to be a little bit more pressure. Do you get a sense that it, it could really, really damage the, the drone industry as a whole if a lot of startups aren't able to start making revenue because regulation has, has kind of not moved fast enough? Because I look at that and I get scared that the investor class will say drones are a bad bet. And then we'll have an unnecessary winter, even though the technology is is there. I think we can agree on that. The technology is is there now, I think, and the regulation is missing. But you know, this this story has two sides as well. Um, we can we can kind of push the regulation. But we don't really want something which is not safe, secure, which is not really something where we can operate, you know. And I think this is the important step is that, of course, we need to push for it, but we also need to support it and provide all the knowledge what we have, our needs. And, um, for example, have the UTM architecture that allows the government um, the flexibility to retain their their uh, prerogative where a clear needs uh, for some services there to be certainly um, you be to be like exactly what we need. I'm not sure if it makes sense, but what I'm trying to say here is that we kind of need a flexibility in regulation as well. So I think we need something, but we need something which is enough flexible to operate. Maybe if I want to explain it again and rethink it. And so I think, yes, the regulation should come. There is this push. If it not comes enough quickly, the startups 
you know cannot create revenue enough quickly and and of course that will cause uh, you know challenges for them because they have these investors who constantly pushing them right to, mm-hmm. to make revenue and um but it's it's a long uh, game so when I advise 20 startups, I always tell that drones um, to scale, it is not like tomorrow you're going to make a revenue. It's, it's a long-term game. You need to invest now and develop um, solutions now um, for, for, for 2025, maybe. We don't know. So it's like the internet. When the internet was created, no one really realized that's going to be the internet, right? And they could all like, oh, we want to make revenue tomorrow, 100K or 200K. Okay, you can push for that. But if you wait for a bigger boom, you maybe get out, I don't know, billions. So I think this is the way how we should think. But I do understand startups has challenges because they have this big push, right, from the investors. So I see both sides. <laughs> it, yeah. It's funny to um, hear you compare it to the internet because, yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike, you brought up the fact that um, this might be a technology where once we have it, we don't remember what life was like without it or we couldn't, couldn't imagine living you know, without, or our kids, for instance, couldn't imagine what we were doing without drones, um, you know, buzzing around the skies. So, right. Yeah. There, there used to be f- like a phone was, was not a supercomputer in your pocket. A phone was something you, that was wired. It was tethered to the wall, you know? And I mean, I grew up with that, but it seems like unfathomable now that we used yeah. to tolerate that, but that's, you know, that's just uh, that's the sign of progress, and I think drones are, are clearly a technology that we're going to look back and and just take for granted how much they're impacting, and kind of just you know kind of like the robot and Wally cleaning up all of the dirt behind us. You know? um, and then speaking of progress, I think that's actually a great segue um, into the second article. So the FAA in November, which concluded yesterday, uh, uh, published airworthiness criteria for the proposed certification of 10 different drones as special class aircraft. So the 10 applicants recognized by the FAA include 3D Robotics, Aerobotics, Amazon, Flirte, Flytrex, Matternet, Percepto, Telegrid, Wingcopter, and Zipline. So all 10 of these aircraft are electric and they range from five to 89 pounds. Um, some of these are fixed wing, some are rotorcraft, and um, if you have, you being the public, have any uh, thing to say to the FAA, you have 30 days to comment on the applicant's criteria, um, and the FAA will publish a final draft of the criteria um, at the end of, uh, of next month. So, um, Mike, what do you think? Um, you know, we, we, we talk about standards and type certifications a decent amount on this podcast. Um, I know some, some of it can get in the weeds a little bit, but what do you think about um, this step um, you know, towards these certifications and this type of standardization? Well, uh, it just moves everything faster. So if the FAA can say uh, if easily that this aircraft is airworthy, we know we, we have the data, uh, we know it could fly these certain operations safely, then that makes any time uh, there's a question uh, of whether or not you could fly a commercial operation a little bit easier let's say you're 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 applying for for special permission then um you know th- this just kind of moves that along faster um i really kind of want to tap into our network and ask more about it but uh i mean it's interesting to see names up there 3d robotics aerobotics amazon flirty flytrex matternet percepto telegrid wingcopter and zipline um but not DJI, right? So um, there's, I don't think there's anything kind of, uh, um, kind of scary to that. I I think it's just a matter of these companies made, made the push for it and they made their, their good case for it. Um, And we know our friend Chris Anderson had had done a lot of work uh, towards getting uh, type certifications the other thing was uh, Mike Blades was was telling me months ago that this is, you know, almost more important than remote ID in in some ways uh, because 
you know, it, it just, it, remote ID is kind of like, just like a baseline, like, okay, now we feel a little bit safer, it w- we'll allow more things, at least that's the case that's being made. But this is, we know this is safe, then, then you can fly. And that's, that's a big leap um, that I think is important. Do you have anything like a type certification uh, or aircraft airworthiness in, in Europe? Is there something analogous to this? Uh, like, are there certain drones that the authorities uh, just know are, are okay for certain operations? Yes, yes, yes. So um, we have, um, actually, it's coming up, this this regulation, the 2019, if I remember well, um, 940. But don't kill me if I'm not right. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, um, it gives the C marking, you know, um, to the unmanned aircraft system and the third uh, country operators of uh, unmanned aircraft system on board. So, yeah, so we, ha- we have this. Um, this is kind of a product requirement, you know, that's um, delegated regulation. And um, on the other hand, we have the SORA-based um, risk assessment, but um, which, which works really well for, for categories. You know, we have the open, specific, and certified category. And um, yeah, so basically this is what's going to come up um, after December, these this categorizations. And um and I think I think Sora works well, um, you know, regarding the risk assessment. It's not certification, I know, but I want to bring it up because I think this is something which was a really huge step, you know. Um, and and I think yeah, that, that's the two things which kind of come to my mind. You yeah, see? and Sora is international, like or it's. It's just a, a process you could do for uh, doing risk assessment, and the FAA is familiar with it. So you can, you know, I think, is it 2.0 or 3.0 now? Um, yeah. The specific operations risk assessment is a process you could go through to assess the risk of your operation. And that just, again, if you're p- applying for um, something specific, you can you can use this uh, to, to help help the FAA along. It makes their job easier to give you the rubber stamp and say, you're okay mm-hmm. to fly. And Mike, you were talking about, um, you know, potentially spurring innovation or what might cause that. I think what we're looking at right here is something that will um, kind of help it innovators help startups right integrate you know having a path to um airworthiness i think is something that, that will just help the ecosystem as a whole right i mean now, now that you know what the faa is looking for you can model that for either the drone you're manufacturing or uh which drones you select for your program so that it just makes everybody more comfortable uh that you know that's why we have the rulemaking process right when there's a rule you know what you can do you know how you can operate then there's no worry well at mm-hmm. least for 20 percent of people who care right, <laughs> <laughs> right. as we found earlier but yeah, for um, for real commercial operations, not smaller. I don't want to say real. That's probably the wrong word. But there's scales of commercial operations, right? There's somebody who does real estate, right? Um, and even if they're working for State Farm or, or I'm sorry, farmers, um, and they have a huge program, you're thinking about individual pilots running their smaller operations versus kind of the scale of maybe uh, energy inspection and what that looks like across uh, a company like Shell across the world, right? There's there's just different considerations that go in. Um, yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> I think a quote from Chris Anderson in uh, one of the articles about the, um, about the uh, airworthiness criteria from the FAA, he mentioned that Drones seem to be in the innovation cycle of smartphones. So, you know, every, I don't know, six months, you seem to come out with a new, um, a new innovation. However, they're in the regulatory cycle of traditional aviation, which is just, um, you know, painfully slow. So it, it's kind of an interesting uh, predicament or pickle that, that the industry finds itself in. Um, they're kind of branching between these two industries that are completely different and are comp- running at completely different speeds. And, um, you know, it creates a lot of friction and that's kind of w- where we find ourselves sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, the answer to that, though, is is innovate against the regulations. So if the regulator is asking for certain things, then those mm-hmm. are the things you build out. Because if you get the, the thumbs up from them, you can move forward. You know, you, you have a company, you have an idea uh, that will actually hold ground. Right. Um, so we got to take a quick break for a commercial. Uh, we're going to show off our Content Hub Launchpad. I don't want to take you away from the podcast for too long, but I got to catch you up to speed on what Interdrone's been doing over the last couple months. We've created this awesome new resource called Launchpad, which includes all of our previously recorded session content, every webinar we've had with a thought leader, and even past episodes of this podcast. On top of that, it includes an index of every person who's ever spoken at Interdrone and every company that's relevant to the drone space. The best part is all of that information interlinks so you can find the tools and resources you need to advance your drone program. Memberships start for free on Launchpad. All you have to do is go to launchpad.arrow and sign up today. All right, we're back. So, CJ, do we have another article? We do. Um, and, yeah, if anyone's uh, tuning in live, definitely go check out Launchpad. You'll see the banner uh, rotating in the bottom right, launchpad.arrow. Um down there, you also see link to Gutma's latest white paper. Um, and I know it's something that um, Esther has worked hard with, uh, on with the team over there. So um, Esther, what can you tell us about the, the latest white paper? Obviously about, um, you know, it's talking about UTM, um, designing UTM for global success. Um, I'll put the link in the, in the Twitch chat right now for anybody watching live, and I will put it in the description for anybody watching on demand. But um, Esther, can you talk us a little bit about um, what's inside? Sure, sure. Um, so we actually published this paper two days ago or three, so it's brand new. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's our first uh, public white paper as an association. And we are really, really diverse association, as I mentioned, with ANSPs, regulatory bodies, manufacturers, pilots, UTM providers. We have, uh, you know, research bodies, so we are very, very diverse. So I think it's really a great success. We could come up with a white paper, and um, there was there was a need. So members really, really, you know, wanted to kind of come up with the recommendations, with a few points of recommendations um, to enable UTM services. So the idea came from the members. Uh, we at Gutma just facilitated, you know, um, the need. Um, we had 25 experts, content committee experts, working on this white paper, and they wrote different parts of the papers. And um, the paper went through a very transparent process. The process was approved before uh, by the board. You you may see that we have nine board members. Um, from, from different industry, um, like we have aviation, ANSPs in Australia, uh, Airbus, we have um, Google Wing, we have Airmap, we have the Swiss government. So our board is really, really uh, diverse. So basically they approved the process, they approved the paper as well. We had multiple reviews with the 80 members of good managers, the content community experts. So there was a lot of work done and in the end we came up with seven recommendations um what we would suggest um to governmental bodies or to stakeholders to standard uh, development organizations and and all the others and um we should be really we, we do believe that we should be really mindful uh, to develop this global infrastructure and the regulatory framework around this so um, we really would like to put a focus on harmonization as i mentioned before with current atm systems and uh, safety of course and and um, and basically this paper has these seven recommendations and i'm i'm not sure if um, i can share a screen do you think can I share screen uh, with these mm. seven recommendations, or maybe sh- we should? Uh, mm. I can set it up. Give me a second. Yeah. Display to. Yeah, share your screen. Can I? Okay. Yeah, because share your screen and I then I'll switch share. it. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a. Sorry to kind of have an unexpected move here. <laughs> yeah. Not um, pre-discussed. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Uh, we can, but 
you're going to have to give the audience one second. And we are good. Yep, they can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, great. So basically, this is the seven recommendation in nutshell without uh, reading all the 15 pages. Uh, you know, uh, if someone wants to uh, kind of summarize it. And um, as I said, the first recommendation is that we really need to focus on global harmonization and um and the second one is the digitalization, as I mentioned. We do believe is, is this is the time now to really kind of act on digitalization as well. And um, that will allow to integrate, you know, the full services and the systems to the, to the uh, air traffic management. So basically, the third one is that um, we would like to have a UTM architecture which is flexible, and um, and and basically it can be kind of um, federated uh, and interoperable and um, and open. This is what we do believe in it um, to create like an open. Uh, you know, space where where all the stakeholders can provide service, you know. And um, we also would like to strongly recommend that all the stakeholders familiarize uh, themselves with the key technology trends <laughs> and understand what is UTM and what is the architecture behind and how, how we can operate. And again, I think this is really crucial because it's such a new industry, these drones, this UTM. It's, it's not something what we have like, like, um, like decades. Uh, it is something which just came up a few years ago, right? So it's really important, the educational aspect. And um, yes, and we also, you know, send this white paper um, uh, to kind of, all the stakeholders, regulatory NSPs, drone associations, pilots, because we think everyone now need to kind of put significant resources um, in development of, of standards. So we would like to see industry experts in standards groups like ASTM, EuroCAI, ISO, because standards will feed the regulation, right? So without the experts there who understand what the, what the industry needs, we don't think so we can succeed. So we really would like to invite everyone to put resources to these standards um, groups, you know. And um, on the other hand, as I mentioned, we do believe we need to kind of have this learning curve together with regulators and industry and we need to have more and more programs as i mentioned before where this really happens and um, we can demonstrate technologies and um, create environments and we can kind of work hands by hands uh, together and and this is kind of a call for action uh, to countries where it's not exist yet and there are a lot of countries <laughs> you know <laughs> where where we're still not there yet and uh, and um, we also the last recommendation to governments is to adopt an operational centric a risk and performance based regulatory framework like sora we talked about it you know and we do believe the risk should be assessed and 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 the regulator should use sora and um everywhere so basically these are the seven recommendations in the paper but the paper is longer than this of course and there are a lot of details about uh, standardization bodies and and uh, and an architecture and what do we call for smart regulation what favors the drones utm ecosystem so so, yeah, I'm not sure if there is any question uh, regarding these seven recommendations. If there are, I can't see them right now. But um, I mean, I think it's important to note that uh, the important work that that Gupma is doing here, because before Gupma's uh, founding, you know, there there's lots of stakeholders globally on, on both sides, you know, drone and, and traditional airspace. Uh, technologists versus government, or not versus, but you know what I mean. Um, so public-private, um, and 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 the work you're doing with white papers like this really kind of brings that conversation forward with a kind of centralized focus. So so thank you for putting this together, and everybody listening uh, should definitely give it a download uh, and a read. 
Mm-hmm. I think I think the key is that we do it together. It's a member, uh, you know, inputted paper. So it's exactly what the UTM industry wants. And finally, the UTM industry has a voice because, you know, alone, a lot of company uh, talks about a lot of things, which is fantastic. Uh, I do believe every single drone flying out there is a proof, you know, but if we kind of get together, 80 companies got together and come up with this industry recommendation that's always stronger, you know, in a unified way. Uh, because, you know, this is what the whole industry wants. And after, of course, there are a lot of competitions and, you know, but this whole industry at the moment need to be together and decide something together. And I think the second step is when you kind of compete to each other. But for first, you know, we need to allow the industry to operate. And for that, Gutma is crucial and because this is kind of the place where we can all put apart our own, you know, needs and focus on a little bit more on a bigger and more global um, kind of, um, uh, you know, message. And and again, Gutma members are fantastic. Uh, they are really active. The, 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 basically, it was just like, you know, crazy. I should tell that like every single call we had like, 25, 30 people dialing in and, you know, that was, that was really, it shows there is a huge need for it because these companies want to operate, right? And they want to create a voice um, of the industry. What is, um, what's top of mind for Gutma as we move into 2021? Uh, What's what's on the... Stop the uh, screen share so we can switch back. Oh, yeah, sure. I stopped, I think. I think we are, there we go. Now we look good again. Okay. What were you saying, CJ? Yeah, so Esther, what's top of mind for Gutma um, as we kind of wrap up 2020, move into 2021? Um, anything exciting coming up in the new year? Yes, yes. Uh, so I may mention that we have already collaboration agreements with standard bodies uh, like ISO, ESTM, and... Um, we we will uh, work on on a, on new initiatives regarding standards because, as I mentioned, we do believe that uh, the industry expertise is needed, and uh, we we're very happy to provide it. So that's that's the new initiative which is going to come up, and um, and we again uh, we would like to work with everyone. <laughs> so you know all the standards bodies, and we aiming to kind of support them, help them with with uh, with. Uh, with expertise. So I think that's the next step where we would, we would welcome support. <laughs> yeah. And um, of course, it's again call for action. Uh, we find it crucial in the beginning of the next year to, to kind of engage more and more with standard bodies. Um, we mentioned this at the very beginning of the episode, but um, you're also the founder of Drone Talks and um, Manageld. Can you talk about those two um, other companies that you work on and, and how they both uh, participate in the drone industry? Sure. So uh, Manageld is an engine behind. <laughs> uh, that's my agency. Um, so at Manageld, we have services, drones-related services and UTM-related services. So we have PR, marketing, event management, and operational um, management project, program management services. So we work with a lot of startups, medium and small enterprises, where we run the back office on, <laughs> on different, uh, you know, parts. And uh, I should say that we're very, very um, strong uh, because um, we have the drone UTM expertise, but we also have the different um, service expertise. It depends on what we talk about and combining the two um basically we can serve the best of our customers and um this is basically the engine behind of the initiatives and drone talk is is um is a new platform on uh, behalf of managed where we talk with the with sea level um um people in the drone ecosystem about uh about operations what they do why they do that social acceptance safety security so hot topics but but i should say that these talks are really really short 
So they are maximum 10 minutes kind of TED talk um, format and discussions. And uh, we find it crucial to kind of create um, something what everyone understands. What I'm, what I'm saying that, why I'm saying that is that the aim was I wanted to create something. If I show to my mom, she understands why drones are good, you know, driving social acceptance again. This is a very hot topic. So here, um, startup owners, medium, small enterprise owners talk about why drones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why did they, you know, kickstart the drone related business? What do they see in it? How they save lives, you know? So the whole message uh, goes out for a broader audience. We engage with communities, we engage with governments. So the aim is to educate, um, basically. And 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 uh, and step out to the wider uh, audience. Yes, uh, I should say that it's it's really really popular now. So it's a love project. I always tell that because it's not really a profit oriented project. It's more like a love project. <laughs> and um, I think all the love project is is uh, somehow heartwarming. So I'm smiling when I talk about it. And um, yeah, we we have a collaboration with the Interdrone and and. And, uh, and I think it's very, very excited because Interdrone team were like very supportive about about this initiative. So I can see that it's it's something what you care about as well, which which I think it's it's really fantastic. Yeah, our, our job is to help grow the industry and, and facilitate the conversations and and the meetings and and the connections between everybody. And uh, you know, we're happy to be a part of that with you. Right. Yes, yes, thanks. It's right. it's very exciting. And you know, and if you check out the platform, they are really something which is like you can listen in, in, in five minutes, get some thoughts, make you think drones are not that bad as I thought about it and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. So- <laughs> a friendly a friendly daily reminder. Yes. Drones are not that yeah. bad. <laughs> no, they're yes. not. They're not that bad, yeah. Um well as to we're we're coming up on an hour, but um you know, I think that this has been really awesome, but any final thoughts or uh, for the Interdrone audience, any words of encouragement for any uh, dronepreneurs out there um, as, we, as we wrap up the year? Yes, definitely. So I think the message is that keep going, please, please keep going, you know, keep going with Interdrone, you know, Michael, and and keep keep going with, with everything because maybe um it's challenging time to time regarding revenue regarding you know regulatory um or, or regarding any other any other uh, topics but again we're creating now something really big and when you see the bigger picture you know just take the next day take the next day because it will really really come i think that's the <laughs> that's the message so right. yeah <laughs> right as painful as it may be, we are we are definitely making progress. So totally, um, totally. If you just check back where we were two years ago, you know. Just, yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's so easy to forget how much gets done, and I think actually a lot of progress was made this year, and it just felt quiet. But like mm-hmm. the type certifications is huge. Remote ID is coming at the end of the year for the U.S. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of kind of progress over in Europe, from what you were saying, and like all of those things two years ago weren't even imaginable right like they were hopes and prayers and now they're they're actually being realized in a lot of ways uh and you know and when when a dream meets reality sometimes things get lost right we 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 realize we're not going to be able to do that or we're in order to compromise we have to give up something but uh in all of those uh, compromises, we're actually moving forward to the drone industry that we all wanted to see. And uh, it's just truly exciting. Uh, I don't think 20, 2020, as much as it slowed down a lot of things, didn't slow down uh, the progress in the drone industry. Yeah, Esther, any thoughts? To, um, real quick before we wrap up, but did, did you think 2020 um, slowed the progress in the drone industry? Or you know, how else have you seen the pandemic um, kind of impact drones in UAS globally? I think that was a challenging year. <laughs> Let's face it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, in every aspect. Um, but I think 
in my view, that, that's not really slowly done because a lot of uh, regulatory programs are, are opened up uh, because they realized that, uh, you know, drones can be really used for a good. So I think a lot of funds released, a lot of programs are going on. And I think I, I cannot agree more with Michael. We maybe feel it. Oh, my God, we are all stopped and stuck. But if you check back, we, we're just progressing rapidly. And we, we tend to forget that. But, you know, if we progress this quick in the last two years, the next two years going to be the same. That's going to be impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, great. Um, yes, sir. Thanks so much for, for joining us today um, on this Tuesday morning for us, Tuesday afternoon for you. Um, um, as mentioned, the Gupma white paper, um, if you're watching live right now, you can see the link in the bottom right. Um, if you're listening on demand, um, check below and I'll, we'll put a link in the description. Um, for that. And then don't miss Esther at Interdrone Online, December 15th or 17th. Um, she'll be uh, she'll be speaking there and um, with a lot of the other drone industry uh, colleagues and, and, and thought leaders. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, this podcast will be on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, please ring the bell, subscribe. We post um, multiple videos a week. So definitely check that out. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Have a great day. See you later. Thank you.